Welcome to the Redemption Channel. My name is Matthew, and we're in a series called Keep It Simple. Enjoy the message. Morning. So uh, if you have a Bible, you can open it. We're going to be all over. Uh, you can probably start in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Uh, that's kind of where the, um, the, the hub is going to come out of. So we've been in this series called Keep It Simple. Uh, where we've been talking about simple practices that we're incorporating into our lives that help us draw near to Jesus and together as a church family. Uh, in order so far, what that has been uh, is reading scripture, prayer, uh, taking communion, and then loving one another in genuine ways, and then connecting with one another. And this week, we're going to talk about another practice we see in the Christian life. Now, uh, like two weeks ago, we kind of started a series within the series. That's why I'm wearing the Get Connected t-shirt. You've seen that around. And what we've been talking about is what does it mean to be a church family? Uh, what does it look like to be connected as a church family? So we say often around here that uh, church is a family. It's not a building. Uh, it's not a business. Uh, it's not a club. It's a family. And so we've been going back to the, uh, through all of that kind of conversation, back to the roots of Scripture and saying, what was the church? What was it supposed to be? And how are we to interact one with another? Now, one of the things that we see early on in church, in the book of Acts, is this unbelievable, radical generosity, uh, giving one to another. And so the practice we're going to talk about this morning is the act of giving. It was Jesus who said, it is better to give than to receive. Now, if we lined up a lot of things that Jesus has said, we'd probably nod our head with a lot of them. Yeah, that one's true. I like the one about life that is full, abundant life. I like the one about him going to, uh, you know, uh, preparing a way for me and all of those types of things. A lot of good lines like that. Well, how about this one? It is better to give than to receive. Do you believe that one? That it truly is, uh, for the Christian, better to give of what we have than to receive from others. So this morning, we're going to look at the act of giving. Now, I can't hit a full doctrinal view on giving or uh, money from Scripture this morning. So I'm going to leave a lot of things out. We're not going to talk about the joy, necessarily, of giving. We're not going to talk about the blessing that comes from giving. We're not going to talk about the contentment that we find in Christ, right, that propels a lot of our giving. Instead, we're going to look at it from a slightly different approach, but that's all kind of wrapped up into this, and we can't even hit it all this morning because there's so much in there. Here's my goal for this morning. I want to have the most honest talk you've ever had in church about money. That's my goal. I want to have the most honest talk you've ever had about money in church before. So that's my goal for this morning. Maybe I'll accomplish it. Maybe I won't. It starts with this. Uh, the, the goal, the nature, the vision, the dream, whatever word you want to say uh, when it comes to our church, this church, when it was planted and who we are now, uh, it's not to, uh, for me uh, or the elders to grow something large. Large is not bad, okay? Um, small is not bad. Big is not bad. Buildings are not bad, right? Um, you can have good and bad in all of those things. But the goal is not to grow something big. What is the goal? The goal is to follow the Holy Spirit as he leads and as he grows something. That's the goal. It's his church, not ours. And because it's his church and not ours, uh, I think because of that, we can have a really honest conversation this morning. And so we're going to do that. Um, early on, 
when we see the church and what defined the church, uh, there's a lot of different things, but I, I'm going to try to kind of narrow it down to three things. The church is to be a group of people that gather around because of a mutual love for Jesus, that reach out and lead other people to Jesus, and that love each other as Jesus loved each other. That's it. That's, that's the heart of what the church is supposed to be. We're here because we love Jesus, not because we need to check something off of a list, uh, not because there's a whole bunch of other cool people here, right? Because we have a mutual love for Jesus. We want other people to love Jesus. We want to love each other like Jesus loved us. That's the nature of the church. And it doesn't always lead to like big buildings or big budgets or stuff like that. It may, it may not. It doesn't matter if we can try and maintain the heart of what we're supposed to be. Now, when it comes to um, money, uh, particularly uh, within the context of church, there's a lot of um, questions. There's been a lot of history uh, and people talking about money in the church. I mean, from the very beginning, this has been this, uh, this topic or this idea uh, that uh, even church historians write through the different perspectives on it all along. We all know the stories of how Jesus talked more about it than anything else because it, more than anything else, can get a grip on our heart and, and stuff like that. And we could try to narrow it down, like, why aren't people generous? Why aren't people more generous? I mean, uh, you talk about like the tithe, and that's the big question that comes up. People always ask that question. Do I have to tithe? And it's more like, a, like am I okay if I don't? Or, or, or do I have to? Like, is it mandated on me? Is it a requirement as a Christian? Uh, what is that? What, what's that about? And it's a, it's a fair question. I mean, we certainly see the tithe in the Old Covenant and in the Old Testament. And uh, what the tithe was, it was a system that was set up where uh, the Israelites would worship God through what they had produced, and, and they would give it back to God. And then the question is, well, is that a New Testament thing? Like, do I have to tithe? And so instead of answering that question this morning, I want to ask five better questions. I want to ask five better questions that the New Covenant Christians should ask, then do I have to tithe? By the way, um, in the New Covenant, uh, when we start a question with, do I have to fill in the blank? Um, two things. One, the answer is probably no, right? Because we live under grace in the New Covenant, right? Um, so it's probably no. Secondly, if you're asking the question, do I have to, you probably have a heart issue <laughs> that you need to work out. Now let's talk about three reasons. Um, I'm going to summarize these. Last, ser uh, last sermon, I went 43 minutes, so I'm going to talk fast and eliminate some things, okay? Um, so you don't throw anything at me. Three reasons, I think, why it's hard for us to give. I want to start with this. I mean, this is true if you're 14, 47, or beyond, right? Because giving is not a stage of life. It's not a stage of life. Three reasons, I think, why, why Christians don't give or why people in general don't give. First one is spiritual reasons. Luke 14 tells us we're greedy. <laughs> Pretty clear. Like, we love money. We love what it gets us. We love the status it provides. We love the things that it buys for us. Um, and so um, greed is the idea of loving money more than loving God. Greed is not having nice things, right? You can be greedy uh, and, and, and drive a 2009 Ford Focus. That's what I drive, right? You can be greedy uh, and drive that and, and drive something way more expensive than that and not be greedy, right? It's not the presence of good things. It's the heart underneath, right? Okay. So um, that's one reason. We just, we just like money more than God. That's, that's one. Another spiritual reason is fear that we don't give. We're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid if I give, there won't be anything left for me. 
I won't be able to take care of my uh, fill in the blank or, or, or what if the accident happens or what if we, somebody gets sick or, or what, what if I, you know, what, we're afraid. And so we don't give, right? Or, or I, I, can't, I can't afford that. I'm too, I'm too scared to, to let it up. Those are two spiritual reasons, right? So kind of the first category of why we don't give, spiritual reasons. Like there's something unsettled in our heart that hasn't freed us up yet to do that. The second thing, um, it, it's connected. They all fall under spiritual. Um, but the second one, I would say, is it's like a spending thing. 90% of us in this room um, don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem, right? Like, we don't, we don't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. It's why there's people who make 30000 uh, that can tithe, right? Uh, and, and there's people who make, you know, 200000 and can't. Right? It's not, it has nothing to do with revenue. It has everything to do with spending. Right? And how we orchestrate and set up our lives into what we value. And, and so we say, well, I can't, I can't do that. I mean, Dave Ramsey has made sure that everybody knows uh, right, that the, uh, the, the debtor is slave to the lender. Okay? He didn't say that. Solomon did. Right? And we set our lives up in such a way that we can't be generous with what we make. So we, we have to add on this payment or that payment or this payment because what do we think? Well, everybody does this. Everybody does this. Well, Christian, we don't operate. Everybody does this. <laughs> That's not how we operate. We operate, this is what God tells us to value and care about, right? So, so the, Christian, um, the Christian should spend differently. So spending reasons, right? Second reason. Um, third reason we don't get is just we, improper perspective, Two improper perspectives, briefly to hit. The first one is this, um, the idea that it's mine. Well, it's my money. I get to do with it what I want, right? Improper biblical perspective, right? It's not. The Bible tells us what? We're stewards. My most affluent friend who's in my age range, right? Um, so he's, he's just a year or two older than me, um, has a lot more than, than I do, certainly. Um, but he's most, my most affluent friend uh, in my age range. He, this is what he always says. He says, I have to ask myself this question. This is how he filters his whole financial perspective. Why did God give me more? Why did God give me more? For my comfort or his glory? For my comfort or his glory? And so he said, I just, he goes, as long as I filter my entire life through that, he goes, I feel like I can, I can say, okay, right? Why did he give me more? And so he, he works himself through that. So that's the first one, right? Uh, it, it, you know, we think, well, it's mine, it's mine. I earned it, I had the idea, I, I worked hard, I did the overtime shift, all of this kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's mine, it's mine, no, it's his. It's all his, he owns it all, it's all his. Second improper perspective sometimes we fall into is we just like the world more than we like eternity, and so we just get more excited about the things we can experience in this life than how we invest or how we uh, uh, think about eternity. And so we just were more focused on, on here and now than what will happen in eternity, right? So improper perspective. So those are kind of three general categories. Maybe you find yourself in one of those uh, this morning. I, I know I certainly have uh, over my, my years. I mean, I probably hang out more in the first one, like, like the greed thing, like having to work through that. Um, briefly, my history with money, I started selling Coke out of my locker when I was in sixth grade. Um, when I say Coke, I mean the beverage, not the drug. And... Um, it was a good run, made a lot of money, you know, for a sixth grader, and um, became an online gambling addict when I was in my late teens, um, and that was driven by greed, 
driven by greed, right? And, uh, and then at some point in time, have settled into you know, the, the life that, that I live now. And, and Lindsay and I try to be as generous as we can uh, with what God has allowed us to manage for him. I want to have an honest conversation with you this morning about money, about money in the church, and about how we partner together. And we fit this within the Get Connected series because it's intricately tied together. Intricately. Here's what I know doesn't work. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, the church for the last 200 years has taught tithe, 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 tithe. And you know what it's produced? 3 to 5% of born-again believers tithe. So apparently teaching that for 200 years doesn't do any good. Like if we're being honest. Like when you only got 5% success rate, <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. So I want to try and teach something different this morning. Get connected. What does it mean to be generous as a family to your family? What are five better questions that we should be asking, I think, than do I have to tithe? Romans 12, 13 was kind of our key verse for the morning. Uh, it came out of and after um, Paul's talk on let love be genuine. And, and how genuine love looks like, and eventually gets to the very end of that little, sub, uh, that little uh, section, and he says this, contribute to the needs of the saints. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Other time in Scripture, uh, Paul talks about setting aside a certain amount every week for the purpose of ministry. Right? And uh, in this line, contribute to the needs of the saints, the word contribute there uh, is a word that means more ongoing than one time. Like, properly, we would say, uh, make a contribution, right? That's kind of, uh, that would be one way of looking at it. But if we said, um, hey, create a lifestyle that can support the saints, that's what Paul was saying. He's saying, create a lifestyle that can support the needs of the saints. Now, the word akreia there is needs. Uh, and what that meant back then was the basic needs of life, right? So what this doesn't mean is, hey, let's make sure we create an equal society. It, it doesn't mean that you have to give to every GoFundMe. What it means is take care of people's needs. Take care of the needs of the saints. Now, in 2019, what are needs? I mean, food and water, of course, right? Shelter, of course. Um, but I mean, I think we've uh, developed a society in such a way that we could look and say, well, you know, maybe there's needs beyond just food, shelter, and something hanging over your head, right? Utility bills, or, or if it's a you know, mom, transportation to work, whatever it might be, or anyone, transportation to work. Like, like there's maybe a few things that, that step outside of the realm now of just food and water, Okay, but there's this idea here of the family taking care of each other. This is why we always have to start with, well, how is your perspective on church? See, there's one angle I can take this. And if you look at church as a business, a building, uh, or a club, then you either have membership fees, okay? Um, you have uh, like, uh, like a tax, okay? Or, uh, you know, some way of looking at, well, this is my, or you're like paying for a service, right? You could look at your giving in one of those three categories. If you look at it as a, a business, uh, you know, a building or, or a club. So oh, I got to pay my tax, right? I got to pay my fee. I got to pay for this service, right? But if you look at it as a family, it's different. It's different. And in the New Covenant, what we're referred to as followers of Christ is a family. So when we think about our generosity, what we ought not to do is go back and say, 
okay, so what's mandated by the law? And then we should start with, well, how do I interact with my family, with my church family? Five better questions to ask in the new covenant. First question is this, do I trust God? Do I trust God? Do I trust him? Do I trust him with my finances? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I've shared this before, next two verses are about money. We like the trust idea. We don't always like what comes after it. You're gonna see a story of a young lady a uh, single mom, uh, talking through her story. You're going to see it in a little bit. One of the things that you're not going to see in the video is she's going to say, I came to this point where I had to decide, am I my provider or is he? And then what this single mom started doing was as a result of arriving at the conclusion of that question is she began to tithe. And then she talks about, and you're going to see the back end of it, of everything that was poured out afterwards. Now, was it because she was tithing 10%? No, I think it's because um, she was showing and saying to God, I trust you with this. I trust you. If I can trust him with my salvation, how can I not trust him with my finances? When we start asking this question, do I trust him with my finances? Then all of a sudden it becomes a question of not, what do I have to give? It's like, well, what can I? What can I give? if I really trust him in this area? Well, that opens it up. That's a better question. Another better question than uh, do I trust God with this is um, this. And uh, we'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as a way of setting it up because I want, to, I want you to see the word in Scripture before I say it. 2 Corinthians 8, 13 through 14. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. <coughs> Here's Paul using the word fairness associated with financial giving. Said another way, Paul's saying this, hey, are you giving your fair share? Are you giving your fair share? Fair share within what context? Well, probably evaluating how much of do I have, how much has God allowed me to have versus how much has God allowed others to have, and what's the nature and the makeup of the body that I'm in, and then what would be my fair share within that? It's a challenging question because what we want to do is say, well, no, 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 we all do this, or we are, or, or me, and we start to then want to evaluate, well, are they doing their fair share, and are they doing their fair share, and all, but I think it's a personal question. Are you doing your you're doing your fair share. Now, you're the only one who can arrive at that conclusion, right? Am I giving my fair share? I think one question that that should really challenge us in, especially um, within the context of like this body right here is, is like asking the question, like, is it a fair share if I'm looking at like a college student or a single mom to pay my way through church? Like, like, I'll just let them take care of the giving to make sure it can keep going. Like, is that a fair share? Somebody asked me once, they said, hey, if this was just like a movie, how much would it cost? <laughs> right? I said 30 bucks. Seriously, 30 bucks. If it was a movie, it would cost 30 bucks to show up every week. Some of you are like counting your kids. You're like, oh my gosh, we gotta stop going to the movies, right? 
I get it. I get it. No, I mean, that's, that's what, how much it would cost if it was a movie, right? I'm going to say we've got a lot of high school students. We've got a lot of college students. They ain't giving 30 bucks. You know what's cool for some people that come into church? They get to look and they say, man, I'm going to keep giving because then they get to keep coming. And some of us then want to have a perspective of saying, I want to keep giving because uh, this seat next to me is empty and I want it filled with somebody. So I'm going to do my fair share because God has given me more than my fair share. And so I'm going to give it back. I think that's a better question than, do I have to tie this? No, nah, am, am I giving my fair share? Now, the next two, what we're going to see are the only two things I see in Scripture that we are, as Christians, um, obligated to keep into our minds when it relates to money and, and the kingdom. These are the two things that I see in Scripture that we're supposed to be thinking about as followers of Christ. The first one is this, 2 Corinthians 9, 9. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The, the first one would be this, that the Christians were, were, were kind of mandated to think about this. Are the poor being taken care of? Are the needs of the saints being addressed? I think first and foremost, our primary context is within our church body to take care of that. Just like in your house, your primary responsibility is to your family. Our primary responsibility first is to the needs in our church family. And I will say this, we as leaders of a church, and I would say this in any church, particularly in suburbia America, right? That any church, and I would throw us underneath this, that would not be able to address the needs of their church body is negligent. It is the first and primary responsibility of the church is to take care of the needs of the saints within that body. It's to take precedent and ought to in budget over everything else. Which means if we ever find ourselves in a problem or in a situation where we can make payroll and we can pay mortgage, but we can't take care of the needs of the saints, then we have been negligent in the way we've set ourselves up. It's primary and first. I can say this around here. Um, by God's grace and your generosity, right? Um, that, that any need that has ever been asked for, a legitimate need by anyone in our church, we have been able to immediately respond and to say yes to. And we will continue to do so because this is the role of the church family. And, and, and it's not so that we can talk about it or post about it. It's because it's what we're supposed to do. There's a lot of church growth strategies that exist, and some of them are really good, and, uh, and church is a, you know, it's a modern-day science on how to grow and all of that kind of stuff. Here's my favorite church strategy. Send me your poor, your hurting, your single mom, your widow, and your orphan, and let them know that they will be taken care of. That's my favorite church growth strategy. That anyone who would find themselves within that realm would know, okay, uh, if I can just get there, I know that that family will take care of me. That's what we're supposed to be. That's a great church growth strategy. And I think it's Jesus's too. So, so then when you begin to framework, well, how much should I give then? You know, how much should I give? How much should I give? You should ask, how many of the poor do I want taken care of? How many of the needs do I want to be able to meet? I think that's a better question. Better question. 
other, the second thing, um, man, I'm, I'm giving you like a quick doctrine of money in Scripture in the church. Second Corinthians nine. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. This is the second thing, the only other thing in Scripture that we're told um, that we should care about eh, financially within the context of the church. Um, Starting in verse 6. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who needs a flock without getting some of the milk? Tens of flock. Uh, Then down to verse 11. If we have some spiritual things among you, is it too much if we read material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Now, um, I don't think Paul could have ever predicted a moment where there would be people that worked for a church whose job was simply to, um, not simply, but simply to take care of kids. He could have never predicted an economy like this, right? Like, his mind would have exploded, right? And so what we see in this is the nature of contributing in such a way that, that, that staff are taken care of. Now, here's, I said we want to have the most honest conversation we've ever had in church, right? So, so let me address this. Um, by the way, we have six staff members, Lindsay and I, um, Stephanie, our kids pastor, Jake, our middle school pastor, and then two interns, right? So there's six of us. Now, um, first off, when we say church is not a business, it means this. It means that at the end of the year, there's not a profit share check that gets cut, right? So we don't get to look at the end and say, okay, spend as less as we can because at the end of the year, we get to take it. No. Um, if you think that's how it works, that's not how it works. Um, as a church, uh, one of the needs, right? I think I said this earlier. No, maybe I didn't say this. I think I forgot at this service. Um, three things that are obvious. Churches take money to operate. Church staff need money to live. All of that money comes from you. Right? Pretty clear. Um, now, how do we then as staff operate within that? So for Lindsay and I, um, by the way, my salary is set this way. Every year I sit down with our elders, Tom and Frank, and they basically say, um, how much do you think you need? What are you looking for? Right? And we have this conversation. Uh, this last year, um, I sat down with them and I said, this is the raise that we need going into 2019. This is the raise right here. And this is, and Tom said this, it's your story, you can ask him later. He said, a month? And I said, no, a year. And he said, well, that's not enough. To which I responded, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. See, here's Lindsay and I's role in this. We keep our salaries as low as we possibly can within the body, right? We keep our salaries here as low as we possibly can and still be able to live as a way of serving the body. And then when we do that, we get to add more staff because here's what's true. If I get paid more, I don't do anything more. I just get paid more, right? Like if I got paid what I get paid now or what I got paid twice as much, I would do as much, which means I just cost the body more. So if we can hire new people, then we can get more accomplished, Right? So, I, so Lindsay and I, the, the way we get to do, play a role in this is keeping our salaries as low as we can possibly do to still survive. Right? I'm telling, telling you this as a way to set up the next idea and the fifth question. The fifth question being this Is the money being used well? You know, there have been times in the history of the church where like the church members have basically like, like revolted against the church establishment. 
right? They revolted against them for the, the misusage and the abuse of how money was being handled. So uh, there are histories and seasons of the church where the tithe was mandated, even taxed, right? Like literally taxed, forced tax, right? And, and what you had was wealthy clergy, beautiful buildings, and very poor people. This is abuse. It's disgusting. It's not biblical. And they, people should have revolted. And I think as Christians attending anywhere, you have a rightful request to ask, like, hey, just, is it being used well? Like, is it actually accomplishing what the church is supposed to accomplish? Honest conversation, right? We said we're going to have that. So let me tell you how we, we, we treat money around here. And there's going to be a graph up on the chart. Some of you are like, this is more than I bargained for this morning, okay? It's okay. This is how we handle it. Because, hold on, take a slide down because they're going to be distracted. Here's why I'm telling you this, by the way, and here's why we're having this conversation. Because there is a potential in our body to unleash generosity in such a way that we can become such a giving organization to the people in need that it can actually change people's lives. And I would much rather get excited about that I would much rather get excited about that than us dreaming someday of what a building is going to look like, okay? Like, I really would. And I think that there is so much untapped generosity power within this body that if we each stepped into and really worked our way through these five questions and arrived at a Holy Spirit, this is what I can do right now in this season of life, that we could just, we could help people. Okay, slide. So, so this is how we've set it up. The first is we call it ministry space, right? It's code for building. Um, and right now that only costs us 12%, 13%, right? Instead of 35. And so, um, you know, we pay 900 bucks a week to be here. We have a little office and that kind of stuff. And um, here's what we don't do. We don't get to the end of the year and say, oh, we have 22 extra percent. Everybody gets a raise or a bonus. What we do is we set that money aside so that one day, if we do decide that God has called us to a permanent ministry space, we can do it without having to create um, some kind of, uh, hopefully, I'm not saying we wouldn't have to raise more money, but so we can have to raise as little money as possible. And can I just say this? If the only thing that motivates you to give is a building, you really got to check your heart. Like, you just do. Buildings can be great. They can be, they're great things, right? But, but what should always motivate you to give is the person on the other side, not the thing. Okay. Um, okay, so that's the first space. The second space is staff, right? We run that one right up to 35% all the time um, because we think more people that are focused serving people is a good thing. Uh, the second or third one is ministry operations or stuff, right? So that's communion juice, all that kind of stuff, right? Everything like that. Um, and then the last one, which is not the last, it's the first one that's funded to make sure that it's always full is the family fund or city fund, which we're going to change the name to family fund, which is 10% always set aside to make sure that we serve anyone in need that's within our body and sometimes outside, okay? Um, I've shared this with you before. Uh, we don't know 
space-wise, you know, if we're ever going to buy a building or not or what or how that's going to look and, and all of that. And is it a topic of discussion? Typically around Sunday morning at 7.05, yes. <laughs> it's a topic of discussion, okay, because we're t- tired and cold and, uh, you know, things aren't working properly and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I also just think it'd be kind of cool if we were the church without a building sometimes. I just think about that sometimes. And I think that um, if we only spent you know, 10% on our building and we had 25% uh, more that we could just give away to people and serve them, that that would be really cool too. And so I'm not saying which one we're going to fall in. I'm just saying that that's the thought process. So the last question is, is the money being used well? And I just, you know, we're trying to have an honest conversation. I think we are using it as effectively as we can to make sure that we serve the people who need it and that it does what we're all setting out to do. And so no one's trying to get rich. No one's trying to build something other than what God and the Holy Spirit are trying to build. And I think the more of us that partner together and the more of us that um, can work through these five questions, starting with, do I trust God in this area of my life? And the more we can partner in this, I think the more we can just unleash the grace and the love of Jesus to our city, our neighborhoods, our family, everyone. And that's my hope in this area. And I think it takes all of us. I really do. And I think we should all, um, as, as, as Jesus has poured his love into us, all want to pour this out to others. And so that's, I hope, the partnership that we get in as a church. And um, as a leadership team, we'll keep doing everything we can uh, to make sure that scripture is always informing every penny that we spend. Thanks for watching this video. We hope you'll join us for one of our services on Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. in the Levis Commons Movie Theater. Now with the new year come new things. So, if you want to find out more about our church, visit us at our new web address, experienceredemption.com. Have a great week.